Lift up your voice and give God praise this morning. Come on, somebody, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Are there any apostolics in the house today? Anybody love Jesus today? Come on, go ahead and open up your mouth. Some of y'all been withholding your praise. You ought to just lose something in the Holy Ghost this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hey, you are good all the time, all the time. You are good, you are good all the time, all the time. You are good, you are good all the time, all the time. You are good. Somebody worship right now in the back row. Somebody give him praise. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Ah. I know it's summertime, but sometimes you have to shake the summer off and just praise the Lord. It, it, it isn't even hot enough for us to complain yet. So we ought to just praise him in the rain, in the sun, whatever it is. Just give him praise. Hallelujah. Man, oh man, I feel the Holy Ghost today. I want us to go to Numbers chapter 32 and verse number 2. And we're going to preach for a few moments here as you're turning there. Numbers 32 and 2, if you have that, say amen. The children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spake unto Moses and to Eleazar the priest and unto the princes of the congregation, saying, and, uh, and they spoke in a language here that's difficult for me to translate, but let me say Ataroth and Deban and Jazar and Nimrah and Heshban and Eliel and Shabam and Nebo and Dion. Even the country which the Lord smote before the congregation of Israel is a land for cattle, and thy servants have cattle. Wherefore said they, if we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for a possession, and bring us not over Jordan. And Moses said unto the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war, and shall ye sit here? And so I'm preaching today from a question, a familiar question. I've preached it before, and I'm going to expound on some things that the Lord's been dealing with me about. Are you just going to sit here while your brothers go to war? Are you just going to sit here while your brothers go to war? Can we put our Bibles down and lift up our hands and let's ask the Lord to speak to us all over this building. Could we do that? Lord, in the name of Jesus, we need the anointing today. We need your spirit to lead us and guide us. I thank you for what we feel in your presence for every individual that's here, God. I pray that you would speak to us in, Lord, in a profound and impactful way. We give you praise. And everyone said in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing and worshiping. You may be seated. The book of Numbers 
begins with Israel's failure to believe in the promises of God and the severe time of judgment that followed. Ten out of 12 spies were so intimidated by giants that they argued with Moses and convinced the congregation that they could not conquer the land of Canaan. That's the real tragedy of faithlessness and insecurity. It defeats people on the battlefield of their own minds before even attempting to accomplish what God has called them to accomplish. And so because they rejected God and refused to conquer the land of Canaan, they wandered for 40 long years in the wilderness. Sadly, most of the book of Numbers is the recounting of God's judgment upon his own people. Even Moses, if you remember, was not exempt from the judgment of God. He was not allowed to go into the promised land. But the real lesson that we learn from the book of Numbers is that God did not give up on his people. God has not given up on his people today. God has not given up on the church. God has not given up on this world. I know sometimes it's tempting to think that God has given up and thrown in the towel when we look at the faithlessness of a generation. But I want you to know that God is still working in the midst of his people. God is still working in the midst of his church. And finally, a new generation came along that did not share in the unbelief of their fathers. And God said, it's time for you to take the land of Canaan. And they went into battle. They fought. They conquered. They were unstoppable. They were undefeated. They had God's favor. They easily conquered all of the land east of the River Jordan. Their enemies were terrified. They were fire-breathing, devil-stomping, demon-dropping, battle-tested warriors. They were coming to church singing songs like, we've got the victory, we've got the victory. They were saying things like, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. They were singing, the power of the Lord is here. I feel it in the atmosphere. I can feel the presence of the Lord right now. And the presence of God followed them everywhere that they went. And just as they were preparing to conquer the lands west of the River Jordan over into the promised land, the tribe of Gad and the tribe of Reuben approached Moses with a strange and unusual request. They said, Moses, we like this land that we've already conquered. We like it here on this side of the River Jordan. This would be a good place for our children to live. This is a good place for our cattle to find food and water. And Moses, if it's all right with you, we'd like to just stay here and let you guys go and take the rest of the land. We know that God has promised us more than this small place here. We know that there are vast lands yet for us to conquer. And we want you to do that, Moses. And we're glad for the other tribes to do that because they wouldn't be happy here. But, but we're happy here. So you guys just go ahead into battle and we will sit here. While you fight. Because Moses, we're satisfied. I don't know how they expected Moses to respond, but he responded with exasperation and righteous indignation. He asked them a question as preachers often do. You know, Jesus did that a lot. Jesus was, 
would often be asked a question. And rather than giving them a direct response, he would answer their question with a question. And Moses did this. He said, are you telling me that after all of the battles that we fought, And after all of the lands that we've conquered and all of the trials that we've been through and all of the blessings of God that we've enjoyed together and all of the miracles that we've seen and the Red Sea's parted and God's provision and and all of the things that have been leading us to this moment, everything up until now has been taking us to this moment in time. Are you really telling me that you're going to just sit here and watch your brothers go into war without you? It was a convicting question that gripped their hearts. I preached this on January 12, 2014, right here in this pulpit in the PM service. And I preached it from the perspective that God does not want us to just sit here And watch other people worship. And I believe that there is a powerful component to that. At the time I felt in the spirit. That we were struggling to break loose in worship. We were struggling to break loose in our liberty. And I still believe that that's for us today. We need more shouting not less shouting. We need more praising not less praising. We need more dancing and not less dancing. We need a few more Davids to stand up and say listen. I I am not embarrassed by my praise. No one is going to hinder my praise. I don't care if Michael is up in the ivory tower. And if she's looking down at me and saying he's undignified. I don't care what anybody thinks about me. Because it's not about the person sitting beside me and it's not about the person behind me I came here to lift up the name of Jesus and that's exactly what I'm going to do because he's worthy of my best praise and I preached it from the perspective that there are too many Christians who come to church and they sit down while everybody else is shouting and and they stare at everybody else while they're praising and if they're not careful they start getting an attitude like well hey I'm too good to praise I've got everything going for me. I've got a little money in the bank account. Listen, if you've got money in the bank account, you ought to be running around this building right now because my Bible says the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. And if you don't praise him, he might take it from you. Are you just going to sit here and let your brothers and let your sisters go into spiritual battle without you? Look at your neighbor and say, we need all hands on deck. Grandpa French used to talk to me about being in the Navy. We have any any ex-Navy here today? Grandpa French used to talk about being in the Navy. You ever hear him talk about that? You can be seated. I know... And he said to me one time, he said that we would go in and we'd be on that aircraft carrier and and over the loudspeaker. It didn't matter if it was one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning or Sunday night at 630. Or Tuesday night prayer meeting at 730 or Wednesday night Bible study at 730. He said it didn't matter what time of the day or night. He said, if that 
voice came over the loudspeaker and said, all hands on deck. If you were enlisted in the military, if you were a part of the United States Navy, then you got out of bed. You stopped what you were doing and you got on deck ready to work, ready to fight, ready to do whatever had to be done. I feel the voice of the Lord speaking to me right now. If you are a part of the army of the living God, if God says get up and go into the house of the Lord, if God says pray, then you better pray. If God says praise, you better praise. You better not just sleep when the Spirit is saying all hands on deck. All right. Oh, yes. And I preached it from the perspective of praise and worship, and I think that's important. And I think it was timely for us in that moment. But I felt a conviction of the Holy Ghost. I don't know that I've ever had this happen before. I've re-preached messages, but I've never, I've never looked at a message in prayer and had the Lord stop me. Maybe you've had this, but I've never had this. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you missed what I was trying to tell you. You missed it. He said, you got a part of it, but you didn't get all of it. You want to talk about being humbled in your prayer time? Just have the Lord tell you, you really missed it, preacher. And I stopped and I had to pray. I said, Lord, what are you talking about? I, I felt that message so strong. And he said, no, 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 you, you, got, you, got the, you got the top layer of the revelation, but you missed the meat of what I was trying to tell you. And I felt the Holy Ghost, if I've ever heard the Holy Ghost speak to me as clear as day, it said, you better go back into that pulpit and you better dig down into the meat of what I was trying to tell those people. And I want you to know that God is calling us in these last days to do more than just be saved for ourselves. He wants us to do more than just shout on Sunday and then do nothing else. God wants us to do more than just our reasonable service. God wants us to do more than just fill a pew. But God wants us to be busy laboring in the harvest field. There is a ministry for every single person underneath the sound of my voice. It may not be a preaching ministry. It may not be a teaching ministry. Maybe it is. But I want you to know. God has something for every single person to do that is a part of the house of God. No one is called to just show up and go through the motions. No one is called to just come on Sunday morning and never think about the church throughout the rest of the week. God has called us to get our battle gear on, strap on a sword, strap on a shield, and start working in the kingdom of God. Are you just going to sit here and watch your brothers go to war? The sin of Gad and Reuben was not fear. They were not afraid. I don't think this church is afraid. It wasn't doubt. It wasn't even rebellion. Those were the sins of their fathers. Listen, if the devil can't trap you with the sins of your fathers, hear me, young person. If the devil can't trap you with the sins of your fathers, he'll make a whole new trap just for you. 
Their problem was contentment, comfort, ease, satisfaction. They were looking for comfort when God was calling them to combat. They were looking for relaxation when God was calling them to confrontation. They were hoping for ease when God was calling them to action. One of the gravest dangers facing the church in this modern age is that we would settle for cell phones and computers and new apps and new video games and settle for less than the promises that God has for us. We would settle for a raise and a better job and a promotion, a nicer car, a bigger house, a few more dollars in the bank, and let our brothers go into battle without us. Let someone else give. Let someone else usher. Let someone else teach Sunday school as dozens of people are doing with dozens and dozens of children right over our head right now. Let somebody else sacrifice their Sunday morning. Let somebody else pray. Let somebody else weep with someone in an altar. Let somebody else sacrifice. Let somebody else worship. Let somebody else give of their time and energy throughout the week. And I can hear the voice of God right now saying it is time for the church to Involve themselves in the kingdom of God. We are not innocent bystanders. We're not just looking through a window at what everybody else does. But God wants you. Point to yourself and say, he wants me. He wants me to be busy about the Father's business. And he has work for you to do. He has something for you to do. Let Moses do it. Let the pastor do it. It's his job. Let the assistant pastor do it. Let the youth pastor care about young people. Let the music minister care about praise. Let Caleb do it. They have faith. Let sister so-and-so do it. Let sister French do it. You'd have to figure out which one because we have three dozen of them. But let one of them do it. Let someone. Let somebody else be faithful. Let someone else worry about it. I'm happy right here on the other side of the promise. I've already been forgiven. I've already got the Holy Ghost. I've already got a little blessing from God. I've got a few things going good for me. And so I'll just sit here. Even though there's a bigger promise over there. God is looking for churches and individuals who will take a posture of readiness to work for the kingdom. I refuse to be a part of a frail, anemic, sleepy, content church hoping to sit down until the trumpet sounds. Because when the trumpet sounds, that kind of church will stay on the ground. The church that I'm a part of is still standing right where God placed it, ready to fight until the very last second. When we first see Eli, the priest in Scripture, the Bible says that he's sitting in the temple. That's interesting because if you study all of the furniture that God instructed them to have in the Old Testament temple, the brazen altar, the candlestick, and the laver, and on and on, there was not one thing provided for them to sit on. They were postured for praise. They were ready for battle. They were positioned for worship. But Eli had added something to God's furniture plan so that he could sit down in ease and comfort. But what's more interesting to me is that a saint of God was right there praying. She was in another world, a higher spiritual dimension, because she had a burning desire. She was begging God for a son. She was not able to have children, and she desperately wanted children. She was making a commotion. She was loud. And Eli, the Bible says, marked her mouth. Some people believe that he literally hit her in the mouth. He physically stopped her and restrained her from praying because he thought that she was drunk. 
Why was he, of all people, sitting while a saint was praying? First of all, Eli did not recognize supplication when he saw it. He did not recognize the moving of the spirit or the stirring in that woman's soul. He could not see that what was happening was spiritual and not carnal. Listen to me as though these are the very last words that you will ever hear in your life. People who sit while others pray will never understand the moving of the spirit. And they will never understand the higher things of God. People who sit while others pray will always respond to spiritual things in a carnal manner. It's always the sitters who are criticizing. It's the sitters who are complaining. It's the sitters who are arguing. It's the sitters who are more concerned with the style of the song than they are with worshiping God. It's the sitters who yawn through a sermon because the volume is too loud or the speaker's too soft. It's the sitters who rush through altar service because they don't want the restaurant to get too busy. It's the sitters who want watered-down teaching and powerless preaching. It's the sitters who let everyone else teach Bible studies. It's the sitters who just show up and never work. It's the sitters who refuse to be an usher. It's the sitters who refuse to involve themselves in anything that takes a commitment of time or energy. It's the sitters who only come to church when they feel like it. They let their brother go into Sunday battle alone. They let their sitters go into Wednesday night battle alone. They leave their brothers alone in the prayer room to fight. They never pick up a plow and labor in the harvest field. They leave their pastor alone on the battlefield of evangelism. They never pick up the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, or the sword of the spirit because they're satisfied. The problem with sitting for too long is becoming like Eli. Eli, critical of those who are not sitting down like him and incapable of understanding spiritual things. Have you ever noticed at work, anybody ever work a job, you ever notice at work, it's always the people who sit around and do nothing. Anyone know anyone at work like that? <laughs> Praise the Lord. I just felt a jolt of the Holy Ghost. Just <laughs> Some of y'all are <laughs> wanting to pray for somebody right now. You ever noticed at work, it's always the people who are sitting around the water cooler doing nothing who are the most critical of the people who are actually working to get things done. Ever noticed that? It's that way in the kingdom of God. You can always recognize a sitter because they're great at criticizing, but terrible at actually getting anything done. Oh, they'll work if it's something they enjoy doing, but just ask them to fight one battle to help someone else besides themselves, and they'll tell you they're too busy being satisfied. People who sit down on God quickly lose their motivation and desire. And that's when people start coming in on Sundays and they wait for the praise team to worship the glory in for them. They wait for the right beat and the right song and the right word that finally motivates them to worship. But eventually the time comes when there are no more songs that inspire them to worship because their lamps have run completely out of oil. It's what causes people to sit in church and depend on the preacher to preach in a move of the spirit rather than helping to usher in a move of the spirit. They see lots of things that need to be done and they see a lot of things that they think should be done better, but they're far too busy to get involved into battle. So they sit there and let their brothers go into war by themselves. But I want to preach to somebody for just a few more moments that one 
person who gets up and goes into battle can spark a revival that cannot be stopped and that cannot be tamed. One person who gets up and says, I'm not going to take it anymore. One person who makes up their mind, I'm not letting the devil have my family. I'm not letting the devil take my community. I'm not letting the devil take my state. No, I've got to go in the battle and take back what God has promised me. One person can change everything. It doesn't take a hundred. It doesn't take a thousand. It just takes one person with a made up mind with faith in God that says, I will not. I will not. I will not sit on the sidelines anymore. I won't live like this anymore because God has more for me than just sitting here. It was the apostle Peter. The Bible expressly tells us that Peter got up and walked into the city of Lydda. And while he was in the city of Lydda, he found a man named Ananias who had been bedridden for eight years sick with the palsy. Ananias had been lying in his bed, unable to move, unable to walk, unable to involve himself in his surroundings, just sitting there, unsatisfied, broken, hurting, in pain, desperate to get up. He wanted to get up, and that's where some of you are today. You don't want to sit down, but you don't know if you can get up. I want you to know you can, you can, you can. And Peter showed up in this man's city. And as he was walking through the streets, he locked eyes with Ananias. And Peter said unto him, Ananias, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Arise and make thy bed. Let me give you the Ryan French translation. Don't just sit there any longer. Get up. And do something productive. And the first thing you need to do is make up that bed because you're not going back to it. Go ahead and put it aside. Get it looking nice and get it out of the way. Because you're not going back to that place. You're not going back to a posture of failure. You're not going back to a posture of sitting. A posture of lying. No. You are now going to be a part of God's standing army. Ready and waiting to accomplish great things for God. And I think it's amazing that Ananias did not argue with Peter. Now, I have to admit that if it was me, I would have been tempted to say, now preacher, you've got to understand, I've been laying here for eight years. I've tried to get up. I have. I've tried to do things. I've tried to feel better. I've gone to doctors, I've done things, I've done everything that I know to do, and I just can't. I don't have the strength. I don't have the energy. I just don't know if I can ever get up again. I've resigned myself. You know, eight years is a long time. Eight years I've been stuck here, preacher. Maybe you ought to rethink that. Maybe God is talking to you on behalf of someone else. Maybe you need to move on because I I am stuck in my palsy. I'm stuck in my paralyzation. I can't do it, preacher. I would have been tempted in my carnality and my flesh if I had been in that physical state to respond to the preacher that way. But that is not what Ananias did. The Bible says that he arose immediately. He didn't stop to think about it. 
He didn't get a plan and go through a list of pros and cons and call a committee and say, now maybe you will and maybe I will. And if maybe if I try this way, we can kind of get me doing this. And maybe if I ease in over here, I might can do it. See, that's what a lot of us do. God starts calling us to involve ourselves and we start making lists. Well, maybe I can do it here. and Maybe it'd be good over there and maybe it'd be good here. No, no, no. You need to just get up, honey, and get yourself involved. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. Just get up. Are you just going to sit there when God is calling you to get up God may want to heal you right now God might want to bless you right now God has a miracle for you today but you gotta get up gotta get up and put your bed aside something clicked in his mind and he realized I don't have to sit here anymore and the Bible says that when he got up One man, look at your neighbor and say one man. When one man got up and he was healed in front of that entire city, the word of one man who said, I'm not going to sit here anymore, getting up, spread not only through Lydda, but through the city of Sauron. And they saw him standing and walking. And they said, that's the man that had been sitting all of that time lying there unable to get up but now he is walking and praising God he's walking and running and shouting and dancing and every single person in those two cities turned to the Lord and received the Lord Jesus Christ I want you to know one person who says I'm not going to sit here anymore can turn the world upside down I'm closing as the musicians come you remember the story in the Old Testament of the lepers they were starving to death within the walls of their city they were so hungry they couldn't even hardly stand have you ever been really hungry I don't mean you just missed lunch I mean really in America you know we think if we miss one meal we're starving but I mean really really I'm the same way praise the Lord glory to God if I miss my daily cookie I'm I'm starving but they were they were really starving they were genuinely starving and and they, they really didn't even have the strength to hardly move. And the enemy had taken over their food supplies. And they had a vast army. And they had surrounded their city walls. And they were just starving them out. Sometimes that's what the enemy does. He'll just surround you. And he'll wait for you to get so spiritually anemic. So weak. So weary. So powerless. That you just have to lay there. Because I don't have any strength anymore preacher. The enemy's got me surrounded. I'm preaching to somebody right now. You can see the enemy on every side. And you're thinking I want to get up. But I don't have any strength in my body. And I know where the sustenance is I know where my strength comes from I know if I could just lift up my head my redemption draweth nigh I know there's strength in an altar I know what I need to do but the enemy's got me surrounded there's food over there just a couple miles away but I can't get up on Wednesday nights preacher I can't do it on Sunday nights preacher I can barely make it on Sunday mornings preacher I know where the bread is I know where the sustenance is I know where the food is I know where it's at 
but the enemy's got me surrounded and I don't know if I can get over there I don't know if I can break through what they did not know is that God had already scattered their enemies and where the bread was where the bread was there was no enemy I said there was no enemy some of you if you would just make the effort to get up and make your way to the house of God even when you don't feel like it even when the enemy's got you surrounded what you don't know is that God has already scattered your enemies where the bread is if you'll just start walking towards the bread (laughs) well I feel the Holy Ghost right now I know this hasn't been a feel good sermon I wanted to preach Jesus loves you and Jesus loves me he does love you I want you to know honey he loves you Jesus loves you but he doesn't want to leave you sitting in your palsy either what kind of God would he be if he just walked by you in your paralyzation and he saw that you desperately wanted to get up but he said I'm too busy for you no 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 God is saying, I love you. I've got a work for you to do. I've got a work for you to do. And I'm not going to leave you lying in your bed. I'm not going to leave you riddled with leprosy. With the enemy surrounding you, you look to the north, you look to the south, you look to the east, you look to the west, and all you see is enemies. God's not going to leave you there. And you know what those lepers did? You know the story. They looked at one another and they said, Why sit we here until we die? If we stay here, we're going to starve to death. And if we go out there, the enemy might kill us. Either way, we're going to die. But why don't we just take a chance on God? And maybe... And maybe if we get up, I know, brother, I know, brother Mueller, my back hurts too. I know, I know, I know, I know it hurts sometimes. But but if I just sit here, I know I'll die. But if I get up, I know that God is for me. And if God is for me, who can be against me? I know that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against the enemy. And so if I start walking, the Spirit of the Lord is going to go out before me and my enemies will begin to scatter. My enemies will begin to flee. And I will walk into the place of bread and I will find nourishment and I will find sustenance and I will find strength and I will find anointing and I will find joy and I will find peace and I will find the miraculous and I will find the answer come on somebody symbolically just step out from where you are just step out from where you are and make your way to this altar and just say I refuse to sit here I refuse to sit by and watch my brothers and sisters go into war I'm not going to let everybody else work. I'm not going to let everybody else give. I'm not going to let everybody else show up. I'm not going to let everybody else praise. I'm not going to let everybody else sacrifice without me. 
I'm going to be a part of what God is doing. I'm going to involve myself. Our God is greater. Our God is strong. 